Welcome to our podcast. Everything we think and feel is integrated through our nervous system. How it is integrated within our nervous system dictates how we perceive our reality. Are you perceiving your reality through a part of you that is calm, creative, and connected to your own life force and to that of others? Or are you seeing your reality through running on empty, depleted, disconnected from what's important to you, to others, and to Mother Earth? Every feeling and every thought we have, every word we say, and every piece of food we put in our mouth has an energetic footprint in the creation of our lives. So today we're going to talk about being in the flow of life, calm, cool, collected, and connected. We hope you enjoy the show. Do I, I'm going to say this probably every time. This is one of my favorite topics, <laughs> but it, truly, truly it is. So we learned in podcast one about the body's fight or flight nervous system, right? Or that's the sympathetic response or fight or flight response. And what happens biologically when we react to stress, right? It's basically a state where we're breaking down our body's resources to mobilize a lot of energy that we need to run, to fight, or to hide, right? So fight or flight. It's our our body's gas pedal, if you will, to get us the heck out of a dangerous situation, right? So when we're in the sympathetic response, our foot's on the gas. The parasympathetic response slows the sympathetic system and returns us to homeostasis, right? You can think of that as cruise control. Um, it's where we are in balance and it's a sense of safety or it's, it's the body's break I'm leading to cruise. Okay, cool. So before we started this podcast, we were using this great metaphor of the car. Like think about that. You're in a car. The sympathetic nervous system is like foot on the gas pedal. Keep your foot on the gas pedal, ignoring the stop signs. Like, you know, you're supposed to slow down, but you don't. Keeping your foot on the gas pedal if you're on a highway and like eventually you're going to just, the only way you're going to come to a stop is through crashing. Exactly. You're going to crash and burn uh, if you keep your foot on the gas. And how many of us do that? And that's what really I want you to think about as we're talking about these different aspects of our nervous system, how we know when they're actually on, right? How many of us feel our foot on the gas most of the time? Mm. And we can't have our foot on the brake and the gas simultaneously. So it's an ebb and flow. So too much sympathetic activation, meaning that we're being chronically stressed, right? We're chronically stressed with our foot constantly on the gas pedal. That is a state essentially of breakdown physically, emotionally, and mentally. Just like if the car were to crash. Exactly. Or we're on a trajectory of crashing. Mm -hmm. We're somewhat out of control. Um, so the more that our bodies break down our resources and we don't take time to replenish the less resources we have for next time. So if you go with the car metaphor, if we keep driving and we never stop to add gas, we're either going to run out of gas or we're going to crash into something or the car is just going to break down. Yeah. So if you, uh, don't have any resources left, right, you run out of gas or whatever it is, you are in trouble. Depleted. Depleted. 
Physically, we're going to feel out of balance, on edge, anxious, unfocused, depleted, like you said, and, and eventually sick, right? A lot of disease manifests from too much sympathetic activation. So, uh, you know, we act more from an animalistic and primitive, right? Primitive emotions like resentment, anger, jealousy, impatience, fear, frustration. And those are emotions that separate us from others. We are not concerned about others when we are self-absorbed and our foot is on the gas. I love that because when we don't take the time to be with what is, to be with each other, to connect to what really matters. And instead, we're just running through that list of, I got to go here. I got to get this done. This needs to happen. This is what's next on my list. That is really important that because it disconnects us from each other, both like personally and on the collective scale too. You know, I think if we could take the time to just slow down and listen to each other and have debates without the sympathetic nervous system primarily in charge of the conversation. Precisely, precisely. Mm. Or carrying the event, the dramas and events of our day that keep repeating, we're never present to the moment that we're in. Mm. So if I'm still carrying something in my head that happened earlier today, but yet now I'm sitting and talking to you, if I'm not letting that go, that's present between us. Mm. That's running through my head and I'm not present to you. And that's, that's again, keeping in that, that sympathetic response. It's separating us. So important to discharge, to release, just like we talked about last week and the week yep. before that. So great. Okay. Exactly. Thank so you. this is, this is building on it. So we need to counter our sympathetic system by investing more in our parasympathetic system, right? More, more, you know, putting on the brakes when we need to, stopping at the stop sign, slowing down when the light's yellow, meaning when we're getting feedback from our bodies or our life that we need to slow down. Take a nap. Take a nap. (laughs) Go park the car at a park and take a walk. Yeah. Whatever it is. Create from stillness. Yes. Mm. The trick is knowing what stillness is and how to implement stillness, how to get to stillness. And we're going to talk about that today too. Yes, we are. So to counter the sympathetic system, we need to invest more in the parasympathetic because that's our relaxed state, right? We can repair, rebalance, rebuild physically, emotionally, and mentally. And here we act from elevated emotions, elevated heart-centered emotions like love, kindness, compassion, joy, appreciation, and inclusion, right? So this is where we heal on all levels. And now I can be present to you and include you Mm -hmm. because I am not distracted or or, uh, hindered by my fears and worries and my my nervous system being survival mode when yours isn't, right? That's between us. I, I, so I'm just like having this hit as you're speaking too. I love how you're tying sympathetic from, from sympathetic nervous system to exclusion, disconnect and parasympathetic nervous system into inclusion or connection. So it's like whether we're present to what is within us allows us allows us to be present to what is within another. Yes. So it's multi, it's like, it's like, it's beneficial in so many different ways. It's, it's not just about us that when our parasympathetic nervous system is activated, everyone gets the benefits of that. 
when our yes, exactly, exactly. And this is steeped in yogic tradition. This this is this is things that 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 uh, sort of these older wisdom traditions have always recognized, and they've described it in different ways and in different texts and things like that. But but really, what they were tuning into is is these nervous system activations, um, because this balanced communication between these body systems when they're in harmony not too much gas not too much break we are coasting along we're in cruise control that creates a state of heart and brain coherence uh, meaning our, our our nervous system and chemistry are all working together we're not at odds with anything mm. um, internally externally and even the way that our body systems are working together we're in alignment everything's aligned we're in cruise control this is a focused, rational, creative, and receptive state where we're open to learning and growing. So, so that begs the question. So great, great on paper, but how do we do it? How do we do that? Yeah, great question. And it sounds like what you're, real, what you're speaking to is a flow, this flow state. Absolutely. Yep. And we all know how great the flow state is. And if you don't know, you're going to want to know <laughs> because the flow state is where it's at. And so, you know, how do we open to the parasympathetic nervous system? How do we tune into letting it flow so that ideas can flow? Uh, you know, we can generate new ways of being with each other, with ourselves, um, and remember that when we when we spoke last week, the words that we use either turn on our sympathetic or a parasympathetic nervous system, the words that we use to speak to ourselves or the words that we use to share with others. But no matter what you say to yourself, whether it's aloud or in your head, remember your body's only gig is to to be in alignment with that and then to respond to that. So it either creates a state of stress or relaxation as our body listens to the voices in our head. It either creates stress or relaxation. And I think um, we probably have some stories about that. Sure. There's, there's lots of examples. And we talked a little bit about it previously when we talked about flipping the script because our own thoughts can, like you said, trigger a sympathetic response uh, there's physically nothing to run from, but we still have all of the same chemical reactions. And, you know, this happens simply through, through our thinking. And then when we're in that state, again, we talk about separation. So, so I have a client who has a family member who is, who is ill. And we were talking about how that, that her perception of it is kind of a setback for her. Because when she's in a state of spin and worry and fear, she goes off track. The person that's sick? My client. Right? Your client. So eating eating something uh, that she shouldn't, emotional eating, trying to get comfort, right? So, so instead of going into the stillness, going to something else that's going to trigger those pleasure centers like food. So what we talked about was instead of, um, so, so the trigger is, the trigger is fear. So I'm so scared for her. Mm. I'm so scared for her. So then what if instead of being in fear, we flipped the script and rephrased it to, I 
I'm, I am confident or I, I'm going to be present with this mm. and know that the best possible outcome is going to happen. Even though I don't know what that is, the best possible thing will happen. My expectations are she will heal. Uh, I have faith and trust in what's going to come for her. Yeah. So flipping the script. Um, and from that, I kind of lost my train of thought. That's okay. I, I No, I actually totally understand what you're saying because um, flipping the script means not catastrophize, catastrophizing. Like this is the worst possible outcome, right? Yes. And it's so it's not lying to you. It's not believing the lies that are between your ears, right? Like, like, especially when we're in close relationship with someone, it's not, we all have, you know, we've all had experiences of loved ones being sick, right? And we go, and our, our conditioned mode of reaction to that is, oh my God, I don't want them to die. Uh, right. But we don't really ever honestly share that sentence with them. Instead, we, we lie and we say, um, everything's going to be okay. Um, what, tell me what you need and I'll be there. Right. And that person is never going to really probably, unless you're like father and son going to say, yeah, here's pop here, pop, here's what I need. So we distance ourselves from the scenario because God forbid we say, I'm scared. I'm scared for you. And I love you. I'm just as scared as you are. So, so Believing the thoughts in our head initially could sound like catastrophizing or a lie, uh, worst case scenario, or a denial of the truth. Whatever is in the space between your ears is also in the space between you and that someone that you love. So what if we could be honest and state what is true for us? Because one of the things I know for sure about that is it would definitely turn on the parasympathetic nervous system. And then the other person could respond in the same way. Interesting enough, I have another story I learned from a teacher of mine recently about a hospice program. He was interviewing a director of a hospice program. And she said that one of the most difficult things for the hospice program was that the volunteers that would show up to sit at the bedside for the people that were dying didn't want the people to die. Mm. So they're sitting there in this energy of like, oh my God, this is horrible. Why this is, you know, I don't want this person to die. Meanwhile, the person is dying and yep. they, they like signed an agreement to be in hospice to die in the most peaceful way possible. And one of the ways in which we could serve each other and connect is to include death as a natural state of life. And then if you're sitting with someone that's sick or sitting with someone that's dying to be open to the death, to be open to the dying process, to not sit in an energetic stance of resistance because the thought you have, every thought is energy. So if we have a thought that says, I really don't want this person to die, then that energy of non-death is in the space between you and the one that's dying, right? So, um, fascinating, fascinating subject. Like absolutely part of the training was to teach hospice volunteers to be okay with death. Wow. <laughs> so that they could sit with someone dying right, and be in the nature and the energy of death because it would be a blessing. And what if we could sit with that much presence with anybody's issue 
whether it's something, whether it's death or whether it's just listening to something that's heavy on their heart Mm. without judgment, without opinion. Mm. And I think the point I was trying to get to before was also recognize that, recognize when your thoughts are going habitually to catastrophe. Mm. We do that. We're going to go immediately to fear and catastrophe, worst case scenario. And that thought is a lie. If you you do not know the outcome, you do not know. So for the sick relative, you can catastrophize. You can all go to the worst case scenario. Here's what's going to happen. Here's how it's going to affect me. I'm not going to survive. I'm not, they're not going to survive. But that thought is a lie. Because there, none of that is, is real or present. That is simply our mind telling us a story. And then we invest in the story. We create the emotion around the story. We feel the emotion, which is usually fear, worry, anxiety. So we've talked ourselves into a stew of chemicals uh, for something that's not happening currently. That keeps us disconnected. It keeps us disconnected. And really busy up there in the head of lies. (laughs) (laughs) Very busy. Foot on the gas. We are watching things zip by in the window without any clarity or focus. They're not focused when the foot's on the gas. Yeah, yeah. And then the, uh, just on a side note, um, the person that is sick or that is dying has to deal with your energy. Yeah. Um, by continuing the lie and acting as if they're not feeling it. But they do. They do. They feel it. So there will be a breakthrough for you when you finally realize that the voices in your head are not you. They are, they're not you. But so if they're not you, who is thinking your thoughts? Modern day thinking is that we are the originator of our thoughts, that we are the thinker of our thoughts. I think, therefore I am. And that is uh, a paradigm that we are in right now. So many, 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 many years ago, there was a paradigm that thoughts were given to you by either gods or devils. Hmm. And so what if we could relax the idea that we are the originator of our thoughts so that we could see them as something that is arising but that doesn't necessarily belong to us. So one of uh, one of the ways in which we could attune to the parasympathetic nervous system would be to just relax and notice your thoughts. Not own them, but notice them. So for you listeners out there, notice a thought you're having right now. Where did it come from? Where did it appear from? Where exactly are they coming from? Some people might say that even if they come from the unconscious mind, they're still yours. But they are coming from a place that that you cannot know and that you cannot touch and that you cannot see. So just watch them arise and fade away. Don't give them any energy. Just notice how you have no idea what the next thought is. 
and you have no idea whatever the next thought is. You have no idea where it's coming from. So the practice would be to just notice that thoughts are just arising and fading. They're not yours. They don't belong to you. And if you just notice that, you might start to notice that you're putting a little bit of distance between you and your thoughts. Notice a thought just arising and fading. And then the next thought arises and fades away. And so then if thoughts are simply arising and fading away, you could take on the practice of allowing them to arise and fade away or to just surrender them. In other words, as they come, you might notice that you're not liking the thought. Don't give it any attention, just a notice it arose and you're surrendering it away, kind of like letting a helium balloon go just surrendering it to the sky. Just like the clouds pass by in the sky, thoughts come and go, and you're allowing and noticing and surrendering. So thank you for joining us for this podcast. We'd love to hear your ideas, your noticings. Please feel free to contact us via email. And we look forward to speaking to you and with you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Everyday Awakening. How can today awaken you to the greatness that lives within? To ask a question, suggest a topic, or contact us, please email us at everydayawakeningpodcast at gmail.com. If you really like our show, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. And tell a few friends. 